Hey, 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 hey. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone is good. Hope you're okay. Hope you're well. Hope you're doing fine this Sunday. I'm excited because I'm standing up and I'm able to preach standing up. There's nothing better than a preacher feeling like he's not restricted. So I said, I'm going to stand up today. I'm excited. I'm charged. Um, I'm feeling all manners of, of good feelings today. Um, not just because uh, God is good and God is faithful, but because I'm here with family. And that's, I, I can feel relaxed. You know, you see, you see in UK, especially in London, see when you're preaching in front of people, especially black people, you see when everyone's stush, and you feel like you have to prove yourself, and you feel like you have to, you have to preach up a storm before people receive you. I don't need to do that because I'm in, I'm in the presence of family. So I know everything is going to be good. I know Jesus is here. The Spirit is here. The Father is here. And we're going to have a good, fantastic time. God has a word for his people today. And I'm excited about this word because even though it's not your birthday yet, I think that this is a, a word that will be pivotal for the next year that you'll be going into. And I think that, you know, every, every student of the word of God, you shouldn't just be watching me and trying to listen. You should have your notepads out. Don't, don't look at me. This isn't 21st century learning where we just look at, you know, YouTube. Where, let's do it old school. Get your pen and your paper out. Get your notepad out, even if it's on your phone. And let's write down what God has to say. Because this will be important for you, not just as a ministry, not just as a church, as a collective, but as individuals that are growing in the faith for your next season. This word is absolutely important. So if you're with me, say I'm with you. Before I begin, I want to celebrate my brother and sister, the senior pastors of ANT London. They do a great and amazing job. It's great to see the growth. It's great to see the expansion. It's great to see the innovation, the creativity. And right now in the UK anyway, there's not many churches that are doing it at this level. Doesn't matter how old uh, ANT is. There's a level of consistency. There's a level of creativity and innovation that, that many churches will be looking to you for. So you guys keep on doing it. You guys are amazing to the leadership team. Thank you for having me. I don't take this as a, um, as a joke. I don't take this as a gig. I take this as assignments, okay? This isn't a gig for me. This is assignment time, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, assignment. I know, I know assignment. some of you are sitting by yourself. Like I said in the promo, some of you are, are with your boyfriends. Some of them are not in the faith, but that's fine, fantastic. You can look at me. The word of the Lord is going to come strong, and you're going to receive it. Man them, some of you, you're with girlfriends. They're not of the household of faith. That's fine. That's fantastic. Some of you are with your links right now. That's fine. I know yesterday was Saturday, but the word of the Lord is going to come strong and it's going to minister to you and it's going to slap both of you in the bed that you're in. You're going to jump up. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to stand to attention and hear the word of the Lord. I am serious in this place today. If your mom and dad is in the building, invite them to come in. If your siblings are in the building, your auntie, your uncle, your flatmates, tell them to come in and hear the word of the Lord. Is that okay? Before I start, I've got a prophetic word that the Lord gave me last month found in John chapter 5 this is more for the body of Christ I'm going to read very quickly and it says from verse 2 now in Jerusalem near the sheep gate there is a pool which is in Hebrew Jewish Aramaic it's called Bethsaida having put five porticos 
And in these porticos, or they're called colonnades or columns, in these porticos lay a great number of people who were sick, yeah. blind, lame, withered, waiting for the stirring of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down into the pool at, at appointed seasons and stirred up the water. The first one to go in, uh, going after the water was stirred, was healed of his disease. There was a certain man who had been there for 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless, knowing that he had been in that condition for a long time, he had said to him, do you want to get well? The invalid said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up while I am coming to get in, uh, into it myself. Someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet and walked. Now, guys, this, I, I need you to understand what I'm trying to say here, right? There's so many ways that we can dis dissect this, but for what the Holy Spirit was saying about his church in this current season, we see that this man is in a, in a beautiful space, but in that beautiful space, he's around loads of people who are ill, who are sick, who were uh, disease-ridden, who uh, had all manners of ailments and issues, right? But they were in a nice environment. And there was a season where an angel of the Lord came down to a pool that was in the middle of, of, this, of this amazing piece of architecture and stirred the water. And the first person who would go to the stirred water would be healed. Now, this is a prophetic word for the church. This is similar to what church looks like. This is similar to what church looks like. We're in beautiful buildings and there's people within the buildings, within the area that are ish, that have issues and problems and diseases and sicknesses and ailments and problems. And they're scattered around, but they're in a nice building. And you see, let me add to that. Furthermore, we do our events. We do our services. And only one or two people feel the impact of God moving. You see, the thing is this. God is not waiting for just moments where one or two people can encounter God in a moment. Jesus steps on the scene. And what's the first thing he says to this man who's been on the floor, who's an invalid, who's been waiting for 38 years of his life? Says, get up, pack your bags and go. And I believe in this season that God is saying to the body of Christ that you are going to receive instructions and you are going to receive encounters, not just one or two of you, but we will be in a space where the masses, where the majority in a space have an encounter with Jesus. And he's not going to just be waiting and saying, okay, we're going to wait 15 hours and 20 hours. In a moment of time, you will encounter Jesus. You will pack up your bags and go because you know there's a job to do. Many of you, you like the nice buildings. You like the fact that you are where you are. Those people that were ill, that were sick, they decided where whoever took them, took them to that nice place. And they were comfortable there. But the problem is, in them being comfortable, change wasn't going to come because they were in a nice space. And some of you think that your transformation is going to come because you go to a church that is very techy, that is very good on the outside, that looks aesthetically pleasing. The point is this, Jesus is not looking for an aesthetically pleasing on the outward, uh, in terms of outward appearance. He's not looking for a church that's aesthetically pleasing to the world. 
He's looking for a church that has continuously encountered him and replicates his DNA in the earth. Yeah. So I hope you guys receive that word. Now, let's move on. This is the word for today. The word for today is the Exodus. I'm charged because Exodus is actually one of my favorite books in the Bible. But I believe that there is a word in this that will change the way you look at the book of Exodus. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1 verse 6. And I'm going to read to verse 10. Exodus chapter 1 verses 6 to 10. It says, Then Joseph died... And all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Father Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would minister this word to your people and you would administer life and truth to the hearers, that grace might be revealed and transformation might be a byproduct of this moment. We pray that every heart that is stony would become a heart of flesh. And I'm praying that every heart would be fertile to receive the word of the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, minister to every heart. And let he that has an ear, let she that has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. So I thank you for the results. I thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why is this scripture important for us as we move forward? Because when we think of the Exodus, the word Exodus, we look at it from you know an, the, an English perspective and the English definition or uh, one that I remixed and made for myself anyway yeah. to make it sound Christianese is a transitional season which marks the beginning of a new dawn. Now for you, I've, I've, I've listened to your leaders on many, on their, or many of their sermons on a new thing, God doing a new thing, God starting something new, right? And so when we think of Exodus, obviously we go straight to the English translation right, of it, or definition of it, a transitional season, which marks the beginning of a new dawn. I believe that we are in a new dawn for the body of Christ. I believe that a new thing, London, is in a new dawn, or is in a, in a moment where God is going to unleash something new to you guys, which is great and fantastic. But you see the problem, and, and also another another element of Exodus is, is, is the fact of you departing from something, right? It's departure, the Exodus, we're leaving. It's an exodus. We're transitioning into something. We're departing something and we're going into something, which is great and fantastic. But the Lord led me to something earlier on this year, which literally shaped or, or shook me, sorry, and, and literally began to reshape my mindset about this journey that we see in Exodus. This, these these uh, stories that we see in Exodus, the Lord opened my eyes to see something I had never seen before. What is that? The Hebrew word for the what we know in English as Exodus is the word Shemot, which is S-H comma M-O-T. But you know the interesting thing about this word Shemot in the Hebrew? It's got nothing to do with the English translation. In fact, it's the furthest, it's, the, it, it's like, it, you know, it's, it's like in the alphabet, you have A and you have Z. 
in the English is A, in the Hebrew is Z, right? And we know English is, is very limited. But this one, it, it doesn't even add up. You know what it means in the Hebrew? Exodus in Hebrew, or the word Shemot, as I said before, means the names. Exodus means the names. And the reason why I started from Exodus chapter 1 verse 6 to 10 is going to highlight everything I'm going to minister to you today from. Why is this important? It says that a new king arose, right? It starts off, let's, let's do a bit of, let's, let's do a bit of a Bible explanation here, right? Or expounding. It says in, in the beginning of Exodus chapter 1, it starts with Joseph and his family. Remember, Genesis ends with Joseph leading, being the second in command in Egypt. His family coming over, you know, his dad Jacob dying there and stuff like that. Exodus, Exodus chapter one, uh, 1, sorry, it continues in that line of thought. Joseph is there, he's thriving, his, his family die off there, everything. And then it says in verse 6, And then a new king arose who did not know Joseph and the descendants of Israel, or the great men of the lineage of Jacob. There was a king that arose that didn't know their names. So why is it important that you understand what Exodus is trying to give us as a message? It says that was a king that there arose a king, and this king saw that the children of Israel were prosperous. The children of Israel were thriving. The children of Israel were strong and mighty. They were disciplined people. They had artistry and crafts and they were running businesses and they had thriving communities, great and amazing. But there was a king because he didn't remember or understand the value of the lineage of the children of Israel. He placed a, a demeaning value on them and said, let these people suffer. Let's enslave these people. Let's put these people in problems so that they will not be as prosperous as their DNA has caused them to be. As the prophetic words that were declared over their lives has caused them to be in the past, I'm going to ensure that these prophetic words don't come to pass as long as I am alive. The children of Israel were living in noble conditions and then after a while, they became slaves. You know, I find that interesting because a king who devalued or didn't understand the names and didn't understand the power of covenant that God had with his people, he decided to disregard that and say, I am going to start something new. But this new thing was going to be detrimental for the furthering of the Israeli agenda or God's agenda with the Hebrew people. Why is this important, guys? I begin the power of a name. The power of a name. Yes, sir. When you forget the power of a name, then you devalue the promise and the purpose and the prophecies attached to that name. God's promise to Abraham is that through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. He continues that. With Jacob and says, look, I'm giving you these sons and there's, there's purpose, there's, there's plans that I have for these people. I'm even going to take you to a foreign land and you're going to succeed and you're going to thrive in a system that wasn't even created for you. And then another king comes, but devoutly doesn't know Abraham, doesn't know Jacob, 
doesn't know Joseph or Joseph's brothers and says, I'm going to start something new. All because they didn't place a value on the name that God gave his people. You know, I also find Exodus chapter 1 very in, uh, interesting because there's something about names that comes up. It says later on down the line, it says that the Pharaoh went to two Hebrew midwives. The Bible, uh, the, the Bible records their names as Pua and Shifra. And the Bible says that Pharaoh went to them and says, you know what? I want you to start an Israeli abortion clinic. I want you to ensure that all boys from the womb of Hebrew women will be slaughtered. So once again, it goes back to my point of devaluing the promise. Because I know if I remove the seed, I can remove the promise in the eyes of the enemy anyway. If I destroy the seed, the next generation of men, I can remove the impact of the promise. And many of us as believers, we fail to understand the power in the name that gives us a promise, that gives us a prophetic destiny, that gives us life, that gives us hope. And what we do, we don't realize that we begin to usher in an aborting, uh, uh, an aborting power for our generation where we should be seeing the promises of God, where we sh should be seeing the prophetic uh, destinies of God being revealed in the earth, but because we devalue the name that is attached to us, we don't see it. Why is it important that we understand a name? Your name speaks of identity. Your name speaks of your humanity. Your name speaks of your worth. Your name speaks of your heritage. Your name speaks of your purpose. Your name speaks of your lineage. Your name speaks of your standing. Your name speaks of you being recognized. How many of you in class when you were growing up in school and your teacher said your name wrong? You say, Miss, that's not my name. My name is Oluwa XYZ. My name is Emmanuel, not Emmanuel. There's a reason why you place an emphasis on that because you know your name means something. You know, maybe here, you know, you born land, you know, the names might not mean too much. They can call their children Moon. They can call, you know, one of my favorite football players. He's na he named his daughter Delilah. There's uh, people that have random names, right? But you know, for us that maybe, for, let, me, let me speak for myself anyway. I'm from Nigeria. Of the Yoruba tribe, and when we give our children names, there's a, a value, there's a name that is attached to us that means something. One of our names is Iyanolua, which is God's miracle or the miracles of God. So when I look at my life, I understand the prophetic destiny. Every moment in my life where I'm seeing miracles, I'm like, aha, I'm walking in my prophetic destiny. My name means something. If someone comes and tries to make fun of my name, I'm not going to have it. Why? Because my name means something. You can devalue your name, but there's a value on my name. And you can't take the mick with that. And so for the Jewish people, they held a value in that. Their names meant something. Their names meant they had a legacy. Their names meant that they had promises attached with God, the covenant-keeping God. So when they walked, they walked with a swag. When they walked, they walked with confidence because they knew that God had promised them something and it was in the name. 
Your name speaks of your past, your present, and your future. Your name speaks of your uniqueness and your individuality. But interestingly enough, the children of Israel never changed their names while they were in exile. But the Pharaoh never recognized their name. Their names never changed, but the value that was placed on their names changed. Right now, what we're seeing in the Christian world is your title as a believer, our title as Christians hasn't changed. What has changed? The value on the name of, of, of what it's attached to. Your Christians, little Christs, followers of the way. That is being devalued. It's not just during the pandemic. We've been seeing it happen consistently. The problem is, what Christians do, we fight and say, you're stealing our rights. You're stealing our this, you're stealing our that. But you don't even understand the power behind your name. Because if you understood the power behind your name, you would understand why they're devaluing you. That's why I said, that's why I said to my people during the pandemic, you see, we were upset with Boris Johnson when he said that churches had to close, right? And they left other organizations and they said, uh, these lot are essential workers, but we're going to close down churches, right? My personal opinion, and I always say this to people, you can fight me if you like, I don't mind. My thing is this, if the church understood that they were essential or made themselves essential workers in the community, would Boris Johnson and the government have turned around and said, you're not essential? Would they have said that we want to close down the churches? What we did first was we went to the we went to the typical Christian response. They're trying to close us down. They're trying to frustrate us. They have an agenda against us. They wouldn't have had more of an agenda against you if you were necessary for the times that you were in. You had your buildings. You had the offerings. You had the social standing. You had it all. And yet you were of no value to the spaces you were in. You had the well-paying job, but you're a nuisance in your job. You had the people around you, but all they know you, all your unbelieving friends know you as is a gossiper. That's the name attached to you. Not a Christian, but a gossiper. Why don't you think that they would devalue the name that should be attached to you? Because you don't place an emphasis on the name that is attached to you. Are you guys following me? Yes. And it says, then it says, it says, it says, it says. Later on, it says that there was a moment where uh, Moses' mom, Jochebed, put him in a reed basket and put him down the river now. We know the circumstances. We've heard a million and one sermons about it. And then it says, Pharaoh's daughter found him and gave him a name. Moses in English, English. In the natural transliteration, it's Moshe or Mose. What does it mean? It means to be drawn out from the waters. Okay, that's fine. Drawn out from the waters? Drawn out from the waters. We're going to get to that point anyway. But names are very key. 
I said Pua and Shifra before, with midwives, right? I didn't even finish off that story. Why is that important in context? It says that Pharaoh uh, gave them the responsibility of killing off these Hebrew boys. But the Spirit of God was on them and rested on them so much so that they didn't kill those young boys because they understood that there was a prophetic purpose or there was a prophetic working in some of these boys that at least in one of these boys there would be the deliverer of Israel even if this Pharaoh wants to do XYZ with us at least one of these boys that we will save or rescue is going to be the one that delivers our people from the problems we've been placed in you know what I find interesting about the names Pure and Shifra in Hebrew, it actually means sparkling, dazzling, shiny, amazing, something beautiful to behold. So God gave the names of two midwives, a prophetic name of a generation that would go and replicate what we see in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, a shining, a dazzling, beautiful generation. Names are important. Let's continue. Your identity and your destiny in God is certain. For some of you, you've been wondering in this moment of time what life is saying. But I've come to say to you as an oracle of the Almighty to let you know that your identity and your destiny in God is certain. Isaiah 49, 16, it says your, your names have been written in the palm of his hands. Yeah. In the palm of my hands. And you are always in my mind. Now, let's continue to flow. Can I flow? Yes. Luke chapter 1 verse 13 to 17. It says this. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for the Lord has... Uh, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son. And you shall call him John. Say John. And you and call, say John. John. Are we in a? Are we in a? Are we in church? Are we in a house? John. And then it says, and you will have joy and gladness. Say gladness. gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many to the children, uh, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You know why I read that scripture? I read that scripture because it says, and his name will be John. And then it says after his name, uh, after his name will be called John. It said that every, it said everything that would be attached to his name, John. You guys didn't, you guys didn't catch it. It says, and his, and it says, you will bear a son, and his name will be John. Full stop. Verse fourteen, and he will have, uh, and you will have joy, gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. He will go before the Lord. No one, um, and you mustn't drink wine, and he will be filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn the hearts of many children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the Spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, um, and, to, and, the disobedient, um, and, the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make uh, ready a people, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Everything that the Lord had assigned for John was attached to his name. 
Everything that we know for John the Baptist that was attached to his ministry was connected to his name. So what does God do first? He said, and his name will be John and he will do X, Y, Z. We think, oh yeah, you know, God has called me to be an evangelist. God has called me to be an evangelist and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But you have no name. God has called me to be a multi-billionaire. And you don't understand the significance of your name. You've made up a professional profile for yourself. <laughs> you make up a professional profile for yourself that has nothing connected to your name. You know what I find interesting, right? It says that it says in heavens there are chronicles written about you that the days of your life are numbered, right? So that means to every life there is a name, right? And so for every name in human form, God gives you a thing called DNA. And your DNA replicates and it moves and it shapes you a particular way. So how tall you are is, is in your DNA. What your eye color will be like is in your DNA. What your hair color pattern will be like is in your DNA. How broad you'll be, how short you'll be, how wide you'll be, it's all in your DNA. Whether you have a beard or not, it's in your DNA. DNA. So everything that your DNA does is attached to the name God gives you. So why do we think that we can bypass the name and think of everything else? If you forget to understand the power in your name, you can't be concerned about everything else. And the reason why that every uh, we're, we're in a generation why people are doing Helter Skelter is because they don't understand what's been attached to their name. There's an assignment that God has given to me before I was born. But when he gave me my name, everything else, God, God wrote, it's like God wrote in the chapters, just like we have in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We have the name of the chapter first before we have the content, right? But in the in what we want to do in the church is we want to create the content and then give it a name. Well, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, I'm, I want to start a ministry because we've got loads of ministries starting, right? And this, this is, whether it's shade or not, anyway, receive it. The point is that we've got loads of ministries, we've got loads of churches, we've got loads of things starting up, right? And people want to do the, the criteria and the professional uh, um, uh, description of what it is before a name has been attached. Who does that? Even in the creative world, when an inventor is inventing something, it gives it a name. He or she gives it a name. Says this thing must do this and this and this. This is an iPhone. Because it's an iPhone, it must do X, Y, and Z. That's why we've given it that name. So God gives us a name first and then presents the criteria and then everything that a nature has to offer must align with the will and the purpose of God. The angels that God has attached to you are attached to your name, not to your job title, not to your job title or your job description. You think because you're an apostle that the angels of the Lord are, are attached to your apostle titleship? It's attached to your name. It's attached to your name. It's not attached to the fact that you are a CEO. The fact you are a CEO is attached to your name. Don't ever get it twisted. It's not the other way around. On your CV, you have your name. Then you have your description. We know, we know you first by your name. Then we can look at all the stuff that you do. And so we see John the Baptist here. God does exactly that. And you know the interesting thing? Remember, his dad, his dad was kind of mocking it. His dad was kind of laughing. God makes him mute. You know why? You know, you, know, you know what I find interesting? Why God does that? It's because as prophetic people, you should understand the power in the name. 
but because he overlooked that and thought it was funny and found you know something hilarious about it god says close your mouth until us as prophetic people can align with what God is saying, that's what I love. Why the women of what the women of God were talking about today about uh, about the power in instruction and declaration. Until a prophetic people can align with God's instructions, words, declaration, everything that God is saying, then it's better you keep mute. We don't need a generation of Christians that are just going to say stuff for saying state sake. This is why when people, we sing the song, right? What's, um, there is power in the name of, you know why people have been singing that song for years and nothing happens? To break every, you, was, you, you sing that song, you think the power is in the repetition. I think I'm ready to walk off now. <laughs> there is power in the name of Jesus. You think the power is in the repetition. And you say, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Why haven't the chains been breaking, people of God? Because you put the emphasis on the repetition and not the name. Can I go now, guys? <laughs> we put emphasis on the repetition and not the name. The name that the Bible says, that the mention of his name, every knee must bow and every tongue confess. When I step in the place and open my mouth and say the name of Jesus Christ, something has to move, yeah. something has to shake, yeah. something has to be displaced when I mention his name. There's a reason why Jewish people can't even come to write the name of God on a piece of paper. And yet we are under a greater covenant and we are saying the name Jesus and nothing is happening. Why? Because you don't understand the value of the name of Jesus. You don't understand the value that was attached to the name of Jesus. You don't understand the value that was attached to the purpose in Jesus. You don't understand the prophetic assignment attached to the name of Jesus. Says his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. He will set the captives free. He will deliver his people. He will bring the kingdom of God. That was all attached to his name. So when you are saying his name, you're not saying your boy's name. You're not saying a rapper's name. You're not saying your mate's name. You are saying the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You must expect something to happen when you say his name there is something attached to the name Luke chapter 1 verse 31 to 33 and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom shall, there shall be no end. What's interesting? His name will be Jesus. God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Names. Why was David's name important? Why was Jacob's name important? That's a question for you to answer before next Bible study. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. When we mention, this is why when you say the name Jesus, you know in the word they say, say what you mean and mean what you say. When you say the name Jesus, don't, because we've got so used to 
say in Jesus and pray in the name of Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, amen, Jesus. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. That Jesus doesn't mean anything to you. Vain repetitive prayers. Jesus told the Pharisees, offer that. Yeah, I just I just thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You're all Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You don't even know why you're saying Jesus. the mention of this name there is a response Jesus steps on the scene and demons and, and principalities and powers are shuddering because he steps on the scene and because he understands the power in his name Jesus is confident that at such a young age he could go in front of Pharisees and challenge them and tell them no this is what the scripture says because he's confident in the power that is attached to his name so when us as believers are walking, where's the confidence that you have that is not in your reputation, that is not in your professional bio, but in the name that you are at, that is attached to your whole life? Right. Right. The name that gives your whole life meaning. Your name gives your whole life meaning. That's why there's some instances in the Old Testament where people will name their names evil, silly things. This child has brought me sorrow. When do, and then when, when do you ever see that this child actually grows into something that is important? Most times not. Because that name sets the standard for the rest of this person's life. We look in the world, there's some people that have miserable names. And when you look at them, what are they? They're miserable. Nothing good going for them. Because their names dictate the pace of their life. That's even a word for you. The name you've been given dictates the pace of your life. It dictates the pace of your journey. It dictates the process that you go through. It dictates the seasons that you go through. Yeah. Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. In the beginning was the word. Yes, one of my favorite verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, the word was the Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The Logos. The word of God. The logic of God. Jesus is the logic of God. Jesus is the mind of God that has been communicated to humanity. So everything attached to the name of Jesus has to describe the mind of God for humanity. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Jesus loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. So the love that God has for humanity, because it's attached to the DNA of Jesus' name, Jesus has to show it to humanity. God is patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. Jesus communicates that to mankind because he wants humanity to see that what's been attached to my name, the Father has, has declared it, the Father had written it from before the foundations of the earth. That's why the Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth. It was already a done deal. Everything that's attached to your name is a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. I need somebody to type in the comments, I will live up to my name. I will live up to my name. That, that's going to mean something to somebody today. Because some of you are looking at your life, eh, my name doesn't mean nothing. And God has come to tell you today your name means something. 
you will live up to your name. You will live up to your prophetic purpose. You will live up to your prophetic destiny. I've come to say there's something about your name that humanity has been waiting for. That's why the Bible says that the earth is groaning, awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. And part of the sons of God, your name is included in that number. Your name is included in that list. And I've come to let you know that the world is eagerly anticipating your arrival. And when you will come, and when you come, they will know. That's a word for somebody today. When you come, they will know. Some of you are like, I've come to this place and it's just like I'm not meant to. Maybe it's because you're actually not meant to be there. Your name is attached to somewhere else and you're finding yourself somewhere else. Go and find where your name is needed. <laughs> Go and find where your name is needed. Needed. Sorry, Moses, Moshe, it means to be drawn out. Why is this symbolic? Because it's symbolic of the concept of deliverance. Why is this different to the man called Joshua? Joshua, his name is Yeshua or Yeshua, which is salvation, which is different to Moses' name, which means the assignment is different. So one is meant to be a deliverer and one is meant to be Yeshua or means the Lord my salvation or the Lord is salvation. So one is meant to be a deliverer and one is meant to save his people into something else. So Moses is, is a prophetic picture of his life. He was drawn out from the water and the book of Exodus is a picture of God drawing his people from the waters that could destroy them and Joshua is a picture of God moving his people from the waters that could have been destroyed uh, destroy them into the promised land the Lord delivers me. The Lord is my salvation. Because you see with the salvation package, remember in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says if any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, because you know we have to, it's equality these days. So we have to do, if every any man, if any woman be in Christ, they are new creations. All things have passed away. There's something that is attached to your new nature. And that's what Joshua was representing. That in your new nature, it's not just removing you from something. You you see, this is why this is why I find it interesting about deliverance sermons. Because you go, do you want to be delivered? People will be convulsing, manifesting on the floor, bloody, bloody, blah. But you need to be delivered into something. That's why the salvation package isn't just a half price deal. It's a full package. It's a full package. Some of you have been some of you have been walking in a half price package, right? Yeah. And you're used to that because you come from ends. Yeah. You're used to that. You're used to that because you like eating the gone off chicken wings that they give you from ends. $199, everything is calm. But when you go, when you go to Nando's, when you go to a place that give you real chicken, you pay the full price. Jesus has paid the full price. So you don't need to be eating the 199 chicken. Jesus wants to take you to a Hakkasan kind of lifestyle. Some of you don't want to hear what I've got to say today. Jesus wants to give you the rich lifestyle, but you sacrifice or you, you not even sacrifice. You have, have submitted yourself or yielded yourself to a half price package that, that just gives you cheap, cheap stuff. And I'll manage this, you know, I'll manage that. I'll manage that, you know, I'll have a good prayer life. But, you know, in, in terms of in terms of being in debt, I'll manage being in debt. No, 
Jesus says, I'm here to give you not just life, but life more abundantly. Some of you have settled for life. Jesus gives life abundantly. (laughs) So Moses delivers his people from out of the water, but Joshua delivers God's people into the promised land. Some of you haven't understood the full reality of the Christian package because you just want want to stand and view from the others. You want to stand from Jordan and look at the promised land. That's what you wanted. That's what many Christians do. We stand and look. Oh, wow. You know, they're doing great and amazing things in the Christian faith. That's fine. That's fantastic. I'm not sure if I can do it. And that's the reason why many Christians are failing in, the, in this Christian walk because you want to be spectators. Jesus is looking for people to participate in the life he's given to people. But what, what we settle for is spectating. You know why? Because if I spectate, it's easy. I could just manage and just get to heaven. Jesus is not looking for people to manage to get to heaven. He wants to look for, he's looking for a people that want to participate in the life he has offered and the full life he has offered. So for me, I know my name is attached to everything Jesus Christ has died for and I'm going to live in the reality of it. I'm going to fight every day because I know Jesus Christ offered that thing for me. If you know someone offered you a million pounds today and someone told you about it, would you sit in your house and go, you know what, that's a nice thing, you know. I at least have a million pounds. Go and get that thing that belongs to you. That's what Jesus Christ died for you to have. So if Jesus Christ has said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, I've come to take you out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light. I've translated you. I've shed my blood for you. I've given everything. I emptied myself for you. And now you want to tell me that I'm just managing this. The Christian life is not about managing. The Christian life is about participating in the whole picture. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) And you know what I find interesting as well? Joshua's generation, Moses' generation that he's taken out from the wilderness, we don't see too many names. They're a wilderness generation. Book of Joshua, we begin to see names, different tribes, different soldiers, different fighters, different people. God is moving us from this nameless and faceless generation to a generation that has a name, that has purpose, that has assignment. God says to Joshua, everywhere that your foot should tread, I give to you. There were people that said, look, I was when we were in the trenches, when we were in the desert, we were fighting people, I was with you. But I want my own inheritance. Joshua said, yeah, you know that what God said, that land belongs to you and your family. So for me, for me, I'm going for everything God has not just given me, but my whole family, yeah. for my whole lineage. There are generations attached to my warfare right yeah. now. And so me, I've got to fight for it. I've got to live in it. I've got to walk in it because God has given me a name. That's why when sis was saying you're keeping it in the family, absolutely. There's a reason why God gave an assignment to my family. Because we've got to walk in it. Because there are other families that are attached. There are other names that need to know that they're not nameless anymore. And so my work is to, under, to get people to understand. 
shine your eyes open your eyes the reality is there's something attached to your name there's something I, I, I've been saying to my people recently do you understand that your life is a prophecy in motion your life is a prophetic word in motion some of you that's gonna set you free today your life is a prophetic word in motion as you wake up tomorrow another layer is unraveling as you get up on Tuesday another layer is unraveling your life is a prophetic word in motion some of you don't understand that God had to speak the name of Jesus from before he was born in reality but what God was doing was preparing the ground for when Jesus would come that when he would come people would say yep yeah, this is the one that, uh, that, that that the prophets prophesied about even though the Jewish people were hating I said this is not the Messiah God had to send that word already whether people don't like it or not whether spaces don't like it or not whether this person doesn't like you that person doesn't like, your name has got to speak for itself and God has been declaring your word from eternity in reality and now you are walking manifestation of that prophetic word when you understand that your life is a prophetic word in motion you will not walk the same you will not talk the same when when god opened my eyes to see that thing early this year it slapped me because i was walking complaining grumpy upset about the season i was in or i've been in but when I understood that my life is, is, is unraveling every day, there's something for me to anticipate. When you don't understand it, you will just walk like, like, like nobody. There's a reason why royalty carry themselves a particular way. They don't have to fight for anything. They don't have to worry about anything. Because they know whatever it is, it's going to get sorted. Jesus said the birds of the air don't worry about the food that they're going to eat tomorrow. How much more you... That scripture has been, I've read that verse all my life as a believer. It slaps me up to this day. Because if birds don't have to worry about the food that they're going to eat tomorrow, why am I, Emmanuel Kifawa, worrying about food tomorrow? I still always find myself worrying about food tomorrow. But the birds of the air don't have to. Why? Because what is attached to your inheritance is all connected to your name. And as long as my name is written in the palm of his hands, I know that my life is secure. Amen? Amen. Let's continue. The Lord divinely orchestrates your steps according to the plan and the purpose he has for your name. And you know, it's, you know what I find interesting, yeah? You see when, when, when it says Moses was on Mount Nebo and he couldn't cross into the promise, promised land, maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was actually part of God's plan. You know sometimes people say Moses could have entered the promised land. Maybe Moses wasn't meant to enter the promised land because his name, the, the, the plan that was attached to his name was only to draw the people out. How about that? How about Moses wasn't actually meant to enter the promised land? He, maybe his, his only assignment was to draw the people out. Food for four. Though Moses disobeyed God and struck the water in a way that was contrary to the instruction, this act led to God's prophetic purpose anyway. No matter how great Moses was, God's plan got him to hand over the baton to Joshua. Joshua's name was attached to the journey of, 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 of Israel's establishment. Last scripture. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 to 7. When we were baptized into his death, we were placed into the tomb with him. As Christ was brought back from death to life, 
by the glorious power of the Father. So we too should live a new kind of life. New thing, a new thing, London. Listen to this. You should have that new kind of life. And if we've become united with him in death like his, certainly we will also be united with him when he comes back to life as he did. We know that the person we used to be was crucified with him and put to end and put to an end uh, and sorry, crucified with him to put an end to sin in our bodies. Because of this, we are no longer slaves to sin. The person who has died has been freed from sin. Another picture of this parallel in Exodus that you were once a slave. You have been removed from that slavery mentality and now you are a son. And you see the thing about slaves is that the masters don't care about their names. The masters don't worry about their names. Who are they? Hey, you, come here. That's what masters would do. The masters don't care about their names. But if you are a son, you have a name. Your father will call you according to your name. Your father will call you according to your name. Because you are not a slave, you are now a son. You are now a daughter. And so I want to remind some of you today that because you are no longer slaves to sin, you have now been transferred to God's kingdom of light and now sons of God. Slaves to sin now have become sons and daughters of God. Sin is it's pointless. It's not even a nice name. But now you are sons of Abba Father. You are now daughters of Abba Father. Now there is a context for your life. Now there is a plan and a purpose. There's a reason for your existence. And now we are here, people of God. So what does this have to do about Exodus in general? What does this have to do for a new thing London today? What does this have to do for the body of Christ? It means this, that in our this transitional phase that we may be entering into as a body of Christ, as the world, as a, as a people group, as a community, as a local church, as a fellowship. What we are moving into requires us to know that, <coughs> sorry, that there is something that has been attached to our name that will give us purpose in the next season. Some of you are looking for clarity. God, I need clarity in my next season. God is saying, God, all God is saying in response is, what's your name? My name is X, Y, and Z. God, give me clarity about my name. In this next season, God, give us clarity about a new thing, London. You've given us this name. You've given us this, this title. But what does the next season mean for us? What does, what does this season mean for us according to our name? What does this next season mean to me according to my name? According to that which you've designed and orchestrated for me. What does this mean? So we are here, Michael. So now we are here. We just want to hear it's time to shift. It's time to move. It's time to do something new. It's time to do something new. But even in the scripture that we see in, in Isaiah, it says, behold, I will do a new thing. There's a look. There's a beholding. There's a looking. There's a looking. And that, what are you looking at? You're not just looking at nothing or things random. You're looking at, behold, I do a new thing. What is that new thing? This new thing, God has a title for it. What we do with that scripture is we make it so ambiguous. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
Yeah, we know God does exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine. Absolutely. Fantastic. But what is the new thing? If God says, behold, I do a new thing, what is it? It's a new career. Okay, fine. What's the title of this career? What's the place that I'm meant to be in? Okay, it's a new building. Okay, it's a new business. Okay, it's a new connection. It's a new relationship. What does this thing, what's the title of this thing? What's the title of this season? What's the title of this moment in my life? Because when I understand that thing, then the Lord can, the Lord reveals things accordingly. That's why I gave some, that's why I gave some passages earlier. When God gives a name, God did it to uh, God did it to Manoah's wife, Samson's mother. Says, right, you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be Samson, and he's going to be a judge over Israel, and he's going to do this, and he's going to destroy their enemies, and X, Y, and Z. God gives the name, then He gives the responsibilities attached to the name. So, Lord, what is the title of this season? What is it about my name? What is it about that which you've connected to my name that I must understand now? Some of you, it's because your parents gave you a, a, a name that's not nice or doesn't have, it doesn't have any real meaning or intrinsic meaning. And some of you are like, well, does that mean, does that mean God can do anything with me? God can. God is a restorer of destinies anyway. God rewrites history when we are born again anyway. So the point is this, you can always run to the Father and say, God, what is the plan you have for my name? What's the plan that you have for my child? What is the plan that you have for my spouse? So I can pray about it. What is the plan that you have for my business? What is the plan you have for my career? What is the plan that you have for the ministry you've given to me? What is the plan that you have for the church that you've called me to serve in? What is the plan that you have for me in the community I'm in? What is the plan? Because your name means something. Exodus starts, and this is where I'll end. Exodus starts with a Pharaoh who oppresses God's people because he doesn't understand the power of their name. Exodus ends with a generation that is about to enter the promised land but has a name. They're about to enter the promises of God that was pending over their lives for four, over 400 years. By the end of Exodus, they're about to step into it with a leader who's got them to understand you are not just nobodies. You are no longer slaves. You're inhabitants of a land that God has promised you. And so my word for you today is your name should remind you that now you can possess the promises of God. That now you can walk in a reality that wasn't given to you when you were in a, when when before you were uh, before you were in Christ, before you had a name in Christ, before you were born again. So, Father Lord, I want to pray for everybody that is listening up today, that they would understand the power in their name, and they would understand what you've called their name to be in this earth, and that you would cause them to understand. That because of what you've attached to their name, they cannot do life differently. They have to do life differently. They can't speak the same. They can't walk the same. The same. They can't talk the same because of the power that is attached to their name. And so, Father Lord, I'm praying for the body of Christ as well. That we would wake up and understand what it means to be followers of the way. To be followers of Christ in the earth. And so we thank you, Lord, for the revealing of your word. We thank you, Lord, because life has come. 
because truth has come and we know that grace will be bestowed onto your people today to do life differently. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you guys for having me.